Hello and welcome back to QC Uncut, uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. I am here today talking with Jay Wolin. Jay is the settled minister at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of the Quad Cities. And he made a very interesting post on Facebook the other day about... um, the fact that uh, oftentimes it's difficult to get <clears throat> an entire story with context and everything else into the media, I immediately seized upon that and said, you've got to be on my podcast because this is what we're all about, is complete and total context, uncut, uncensored, unedited conversation with local newsmakers. And um, Jay, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And let's get started with, um, well, for one, what's a settled minister? <laughs> so all, all that means is that the congregation voted and called me to be their minister as opposed to being under contract for a period of time. Um, and so it's just the process of, of calling a permanent minister to the congregation. See, because I always tell people, I'm like, don't just settle for any minister. Make sure that you choose the right minister. Well, I guess you could look at it as that we are settled on, they settled on me, right? Now we're settling in together for a long period of time. And, or at least that's the hope. I've been there nine years now. So. Well, the relationship seems to be going very well. I don't think anyone's doing any settling anymore. So thank you so much, Jake. <laughs> Um, let's talk a little bit about what your your um, your post was about. Now, your post, uh, of course, you were interviewed about um, the uh, president's demand that churches be considered essential and be allowed to open. And this has been something. The entire COVID nineteen phenomenon has just been a bizarre and surreal thing for all of us. And as I and as I've said to so many people. I think one of the strangest things to me is the absolute certainty with which some people speak about it. I've always been from the very beginning of the I belong to the church of I don't know. Not only of this but of other things as well is when I don't know something about a subject, I will admit I don't know all the details. I don't know all the context on this and that's the same thing with COVID-19 is a lot of the experts don't even know all the details on it. A lot of the experts don't even know everything about this virus, how it's mutating, what's going to happen with it. They can't predict the future. They can only kind of, you know, look at and say, well, this seems like it's going to happen because it's a new virus. And I'm the same way. I don't really know. I Everything could be great. They could open everything up and everything could be fine. We might have a little blip of, you know, spike up and everybody get herds, gets herd immunity and everything's great. Or we could have a huge spike up and it goes backslides and then they got to shut everything down again i don't know um what do you what are your thoughts on that on the on the 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 entirety of COVID 19 and where you maybe see this thing going so yeah i think part of it and first yeah i would say i do think that uh religious organizations i wouldn't just say churches um are are essential to people's lives um, my point would be, though, that it doesn't have to be in person now. So, but in regard to the whole COVID question, I think we can only base it on a 
facts. There's always unknown, right? And I would even tell you our religious um, theological position is that so much is unknown, and that is why we are explorers, okay? We are exploring different religious ideas and facts. Um, and so... Maybe this works better. I'm getting some feedback. Yeah, myself. you're getting some feedback on you here. Um, so, but so what we can do is base things based on what we experience. I say that's very much in line with our religion as well. Is what do we experience in the world? What facts? are there and and then how do we make decisions based upon that on how to live our lives so um you know clearly we have heard from and this was the specific question i had originally been asked was about um whether congregations should be open for in-person worship and everything we have heard from scientists doctors is that people in confined spaces for long periods of time is are most at risk for the virus to be transmitted so in-person worship services in a building is the perfect green a breeding ground for something like that um and and so as well even they have said singing is is actually 10 times worse i don't know the exact number but significantly worse than even just speaking to one another so um so it is my it was it's, this is now my personal feeling that um, we should not be doing in-person worship inside a building uh, because that is putting our congregants at risk. And and so if we care about our congregants, we, we should not be putting them um, at physical risk. Um, now, you know, there, there, people will make certain personal choices about how to live their life but when you are putting other people at risk then i think we, we have to look at it as a moral question um why should we intentionally put people at risk uh for their health and and that was the question that i had raised see i, I agree with you i um i, I tend to be uh more along the lines of I honestly, uh, God is everywhere. You can always have a personal relationship with God. You can always speak to God through prayer, wherever you're at. So me, myself, I don't feel the need to have any sort of group gathering or anything like that. I think that at any time I can pray, I can speak to God, and just like anyone else can, just as Jesus said in the Bible, is that you know you have a personal relationship with God, you can speak to Him at any time. So that kind of makes the need for a group gathering, you know, somewhat, you know, um, it, it's it's not necessary. Um, but that said, I understand that there's a sense of. I understand there's a sense of community that goes along with that, and some people enjoy that sense of community. But that said, you can experience that sense of community online. You could have online services. You can have Zoom services. You can have things of that nature that would allow people to feel that group 
feeling that feeling of community without endangering them um and and taking the the safest route possible and and while yeah people may not get infected and i know a lot of people are like well i'm going to take my chances but the thing is is that people like me you know me and you and and you know a lot of younger folks we are are not the at-risk category but it's the older folks it's the people with underlying conditions that are really heavily at risk in regard to this and and while i may even if i get it I may emerge from it with just having had a terrible experience, but I'll be fine. Some other people that I'm around might not have that same luck, might not have that same good fortune, and and I may spread it to somebody who who does end up having you know fatal reaction to it. And honestly, I wouldn't want that on my conscience. I don't I don't mind wearing a mask because I don't want to be responsible for somebody's grandfather or grandmother or their diabetic brother or, or sister or something dying. I don't want that on my conscience. And I think wearing a mask and and exhibiting certain so you know, having certain social distancing um, in in place, I don't think that that's a big sacrifice to make for for a human life or for you know a life that impacts somebody else and and making sure that somebody's you know a beloved member of someone's family or one of their beloved friends um, doesn't die because of something like this. Right. So I mean, the mask thing is a whole a whole separate issue, of course. But um, I do think so. I, I do. I just I do think connection is important, mm-hmm. um, and I do think I always think it's important um, that we we make meaning of the things in our life, and that yeah, you know, we come together to explore religious meaning. Um, but we do do that now. It is, it is, is it as good as being in person? No. Right. Um, but, but it still allows us to maintain and build connection and, and build our lives um, and try to realize, right, to, to be uh, compassionate. Uh, towards towards each other, and so you know we're still right. We're having Zoom services. Uh, we're having adult religious education on Zoom. We're having children religious education on Zoom. Uh, we're just having small group discussions or even one-on-one discussions with people on Zoom. Yeah, you know, I, I would say the hardest thing um, is you know when, when members are in hospitals or or um, you know ill in a nur- you know in a nursing home. Where, where they're alone, um, and yet we're not allowed to go visit them, mm. uh, and and so you know th- there there is a loss there. But again, I think you, you use the word sacrifice, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that that it is that is an important uh, concept, right? That you know, we are sacrificing an immediate gratification, right, for the longer term health of people that we care about and people we don't even know right right? so that's that's the important thing we care about our community and the larger community and we do that by physical distancing um and and to me that is just a a moral principle and i don't understand the religious uh, and, and i do not understand the religious view um, that would be otherwise, honestly. That would put your own people in jeopardy. I I agree one hundred percent. I think that you know if you look at it, it's 
it's often ironic that the same people who you know like to wear the WWJD bracelets don't actually sometimes ask themselves what would Jesus do in a given situation. And I think what would Jesus do in a situation where you know it was like okay Jesus you either wear a mask or potentially kill someone's grandma. Somehow I think Jesus would wear a mask. You know, I mean, putting aside any divinity questions or miracles or anything like that, but like say Jesus was given that choice, I believe I believe. I don't want to speak for Jesus here, Jay, but nevertheless, I think that he would probably wear a mask over killing someone's random grandma or something. So I think it's a pretty small sacrifice to make um, in the short term to be considerate of other people. And, And again, it's like I don't. You know, I I don't I'm not in the the high at risk category, but to me it's a very small thing to do to wear a mask into a, in a grocery store or whatever, or observe you know certain social distancing rules for a little while to to make sure that we get over the hump on this and flatten the curve and that we ameliorate the number of deaths and the number of people that are really seriously impacted by this. And you would think that um, organizations that in and of themselves are ostensibly based upon a book that's supposed to uh, be the pinnacle of selflessness and morality would possibly see that. Um, any any thoughts on, on the irony of that? Well, you know, I think you know, people read into whether their holy scripture might be um, and they make meaning of it based on on their circumstances. So, you know, like people, like anybody can pick out a verse from the Christian scriptures to make Jesus fit their perception of what Jesus was, right? So um, I think the question for me is, how do we want to live as a society? How do we want to be in relationship with each other and and is it to be right selfish do we want to be selfish people or do we want to be selfless people and care about others right forgetting about what any particular book that was written 2000 years ago says how do we want to be what are what is our best self as human beings um, and what is more important? What's a more important value to us? Is it profits of operation or the health of our fellow human beings? Mm-hmm. And, and and so I think right there will be people who maybe have different value systems than I do, but that is my value system, and that's the value system that I promote um, in our religion. Um, and so. To me, um, and yes, you can look at the story of Jesus in many ways. I would say the story of Jesus is one of being inclusive, right? He, he yeah. was with the lepers. He was with the, the tax people. He was he was with the people who aren't usually included, um, you know, in in society or, or the, in the temple. And so he created an inclusive community right. of people that, that should, no matter who you are, right, we care about you. Um, and, and, and that is the ethic, right, that I, I try to live by is caring 
about people, especially those who are the most vulnerable. I do want to say one other thing. You make an assumption. I'm very glad you did. Um, but but it is, I think, a good point that we make assumptions about people, right? So that whether the, what age they are or how healthy they are, whether they have an underlying condition, right? So I do have an underlying condition. Um, I, in my household, we have eight people who live here. Three of them are considered essential workers, and so they are with the public all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I am very sensitive um, because I do have an underlying condition, and, and so I want, you know, and so that makes me more empathetic to other people who have underlying conditions mm-hmm. and wanting to keep them safe as well. Yeah, I think that um, they, yeah, you're right. You're right. We do make assumptions in regard to, to things, and, and you can't tell. Like I, th- this is a perfect example. Here I am talking to you on the phone, and um, and I did. I made the assumption that you weren't of an at risk category, and 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 um, here you are. It's the same thing as if you you don't really know. You don't know if you go out if you're gonna you know if you don't wear a mask if you go out if you're not social distancing or whatever you might be asymptomatic and you might spread it to somebody that may look healthy from the outside but they may have an underlying condition that you're not aware of um and and so yeah and that's why i have tended to i really have you know erred on the side of caution in regard to this and i think that i don't think it's that much to ask it's been really stunning to me that people have been so up in arms about something that actually when you look at it is pretty innocuous you know wearing a mask and 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 social distancing and and they're not draconian policies other than for those that are losing income i can totally understand 100 percent if you own a business I mean, because I have a lot of friends who work in the arts, who work at, at bars, at restaurants, and those people are in dire straits. They are in in trouble because of their loss of business, and I, I really empathize with them. Um, Myself, I've lost about 30-40% of my income from book signings, from uh, tutoring, from uh, substitute teaching, from things like that. So I get it. I get the loss of income completely. Um, and that's where the government should have making a, you know, stepped in in a much larger way than they did. But that's another subject entirely, instead of giving money away to giant corporations. Um, but nevertheless... And that, that is a moral issue. Um, and, and I agree with you. And in my opinion, that, that is something that should be talked about. I mean, I, we are very lucky. We, we got a very small uh, loan from the Small Business Administration, but that allowed me to continue to keep paying our people, whether they were working or not. Right. And, um, and yet we subsidize, we're very willing to subsidize uh, these big businesses mm-hmm. um, that clearly were very fragile, right? Um, uh, because they, in, within a month, they were almost going out of business, supposedly. And yet they I, were I think the key word there is supposedly, Jay. <laughs> of dollars going right. going to them, right? Yeah. And, and yet the small business person could struggle yeah. um, 
And, and so I will say one thing I would encourage small business people to do if they are having trouble getting a loan at, to, to call your local representative. I was just on the phone with one last week, um, Sheree Busta, mm-hmm. and she encouraged me to have people call her office if they're having trouble getting a loan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so this is something, right, people, we need to be helping people, right? And, and maybe we don't need to fund uh, uh, but however half a trillion dollars a year in military expenses and maybe fund small businesses individuals yeah. to get us through this difficult. we have to determine what are our values as a country I think this is a good time when we are sort of taking a step back right a time of a little bit of silence to think about what are our values as a country mm-hmm. um and, and so i think that um you know I, i'm pretty clear what my values are and and i would hope that we can um, maybe make some changes structural changes going forward I agree, and I, I should I should interject here that this is, to me, this is a nonpartisan issue. This is not you have people on both sides of the aisle who are corporatists um, on the Democratic and the Republican sides of the aisle, and they're they're corporately beholden and have bent over backwards for giant corporations. Which, if you're a billion dollar corporation, you should have maybe has, you know, it's it's funny how so many people are like. Oh man, you should have some. You should have at least two months in the bank, at least two months' expenses in the bank. And I'm and, and every time there's a collapse on Wall Street or whatever, these billion-dollar corporations have no, apparently have nothing. Allegedly, they have nothing. They have to be bailed out by the taxpayers, and that's BS. And and you know, I I get. Again, I have friends who um, who are barbers who run um, you know hair salons and and who do who are chiropractors, people of that na- you know people where they don't have a lot of people in their office, and they made a very you know they made a very good point that they were against Governor Pritzker's um, you know total uh, shutdown of services of that nature because I <clears throat> I can see their point. Where they could control things, where they would have one customer in at a time. They'd have to make sure the customer wore a mask. They have to wear a mask. They have to wash their hands as they as they come in. Things like that. And I could see that, but I could also see his, his point, where obviously he came out of the gate and he just wanted to be as cautious as possible. Um, but I think that that's that's the issue. Is you're you've got people that are experiencing financial hardship due to this, and they're they have a giant sense of loss, and there, there's no you know in maslow's hierarchy of needs that's kind of tough to get over when you don't have any money and you can't pay your rent and you're having a hard time putting food on the table etc that really definitely needs to be addressed and there needs to be an empathy towards people who are in that situation but as for other people that that maybe don't have that issue um i kind of fail to see where people are are being you know acting as if they're they're being so put out that they have to wear a mask and have to social distance or they don't you know they don't get to go out to the bars on the weekend or something like that i think that people are um I don't know, I, I, just the outcry from certain people in regard to that just seems to be um a little exaggerated to me compared to the the risk reward right i mean the mask question in particular at least the n95 mess i mean a new study again just came out and showed that 
it significantly decreases the spread of droplets. So, um, you know, there's no reason not to wear a mask. Um, it's, it's, it's a very selfish thing because, um, you know, the reality is, um, you know, there are people you do have to go out to get groceries or to right. get a, a prescription or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and they are at work when they do that if other people don't have masks on. So, uh, look, it's a tough thing. It's a very tough thing because, um, you know, the economy is is in terrible shape. People are out of work. Um, but, but there is unemployment, and um, hopefully we... Congress uh, and the Senate can get together and work on something to to help these small businesses, which, you know, the bill was supposed to do that, um, and, it, and it helped us a little bit, and um, but but not enough. It's enough for enough people, and uh, and we can do better. Well, that kind of that circles around to our initial point of discussion is the fact of you know. Are are places of worship essential? Are they? I mean, and I and I don't mean that in the the the, the uh, you know the, the the way that people are like. Of course, they're essential. Of course, I I want to have a church. Blah blah blah. You're going against my religious principles. Blah blah blah. No, I mean the actual is the actual gathering of people in this place at this particular time essential. Not the not the existence of them, because I do believe that the existence of them is is essential. People, this is a big part of people's lives, and you can't overlook that. But that said, given the fact that as we've talked about, you can also do a lot of this stuff online. You can commune online. You can get together with people of your like, you know, faith and etc. Online, which isn't the same thing, but is nevertheless you're able to do that. Um, is it really essential to open up the doors and allow everyone to kind of come in and gather and mass gather in situations of this nature at this time? So again, I do think they're essential, but not in the, the legal sense of what we are using the word essential for. Right? Uh, right. Um, you know, I, like wireless essential, right? Um, so the question is, right, yes, they are, so, I do believe um, they are an important part of people's lives. I agree. However, I don't think we need to get together physically in person inside a building, I think. You know, some people are doing some creative things with, like, drive-in churches. Right. Um, you know, we're still trying to figure out what the technology behind that is. But, um, but you know, no, no. We, we care about the health of our people and, and everything from public health officials to scientists. Um, and, you know, as well, you know, just watching like the experience of seeing or knowing people who have died from this why would we want to put our people through that mm -hmm. if we care about them um and and to me that is the the essential part is how do we how do we build compassion for each other um and all of that um you know it, it doesn't come like 
you know, from something I say, right? I I am more of a facilitator, right? To to, to maybe inspire people, but uh, I, you know, they you know they can still hear me on Zoom if they watch. They can call me on the phone. They can look at my Facebook page. They, you know, there's lots of ways to still connect with people mm-hmm. um, and still inspire them without putting them in mortal danger, and that. That to me is the moral issue, and it is essential, right? I do think that is an essential thing, not to be physically in person, but I do think it's essential to grow, to grow your life, to grow your spirit, to be connected to something larger than just yourself. But we don't. We can do it reasonably, and we can do it safely. Um, even if it's not perfect or is great, you know, I think we, we are so focused on the perfect, right? right, right. Uh, perfection is the end of the good, I like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yes, we would rather be in person, but it is not worth the risk of putting each other in danger. Uh, and to me, this is a moral, religious issue, um, and and how we see religion uh, and experience religion with each other. I agree with you one hundred percent, Jay. Um, one 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 question: um, Could you explain to people what a the Unitarian Universalist congregation believes? How do they fit into the grand scheme of different um, different religious sects uh, within um, within the community? Sure. Um, so we, we came out of Christianity, um, but we are a pluralistic religion, um, and so we gain our wisdom from multiple sources. Um, in, including nature, include, including Christianity, but as well Judaism, Buddhism, world religions, and great teachers, and as well from science um, and reason. And so um, we are explorers, uh, free thinkers, um, and, and we do believe also that we should use this community, this wisdom, Right to put our values to understand what our values are as people, and then to put that value into action in the world. And so, uh, social justice is um, a large part of of our ministry, as well as um, so it's a balance, right? Is mm-hmm. spiritual practice and growth, and as well. Um, uh, social justice as well uh, on the other hand so uh, we're very active um, uh, in different areas both in racial justice immigration justice um, LGBTQ justice um, and environmental justice those are the four we, we tend to focus on as a congregation you know, I, 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 as we touched upon earlier, I tend to remember Jesus being very inclusive and very keen on social justice as well, Jay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I, I, I try to remind people, yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I grew up in, in the Jewish tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, yeah, I do find, right, you know, people forget Jesus was a Jewish teacher. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Most of his teachings were Jewish ethical teachings. Right. 
Well, yeah, and, and well, Jesus is a figure within Judaism as well as Islam as well, and in a number of other religions. Not in Judaism, not, no. In Islam, yes, not right. so much in Judaism. Well, now what? It, how? It, where is? Is he a factor in Judaism? I, now, I was, I'm, I'm pro- probably ignorant upon this, but but you know, um, don't. Uh, the the Jewish faith regards him as more of a teacher. They don't they don't regard the divinity per se, but they do regard him as a, a teacher within the the Jewish faith. Is that correct? Well, so so you, again, you have to understand. Uh, so like any religion, right? There's no monolithic view of anything, right. even within right. Christianity, right? Yeah. So, um, but but you have to remember, Jesus is is not named in the Jewish scriptures. Um, there there is some talk of a hope. Messiah in the future, uh-huh. um, but in general, um, you know, he, he he is not part of Jewish religious practice. Right. Um, I, I would think, you know, of course, you can't not know Jesus living in this country, right? And so, I would say people uh, view him right, as an ethical human teacher i would say unitarians would maybe uh, because would have looked at him as you know maybe the height of what humanity could get to mm-hmm. um but not as a literal son of god other than that we are all children of god maybe if you believed in a god <laughs> so um so yeah so i would say in general um, in Judaism, and I do not speak for Judaism, but um, uh, but but he is not part of their religious practice in any way. Yeah, I always I always find that fascinating. He's mentioned in the Quran, right. or in, in at least Islamic teachings. Um, so uh, so there is a little little difference there. Yeah, I always find it fascinating. I always find the, the you know entomology of religions and the crossover of them uh, to be fascinating, and and the way that they evolved and were um, curved by the leadership at the time. And you know, as as so many people have said, um, you know, history is written by the victors. I mean, ultimately, history is written by the people who were in power at the time. And so you see the the, the curving of certain method of uh, certain messages. And, and books and um, faiths, and that certain books being deemed non-canon within certain religions and, and Gnostic and what have you, um, according to whoever was editing them and putting them together at the time, which is kind of fascinating. That's right. We know, right, that it was not until the Council of Nicaea right. in 325, 325. AD yeah. that, you know, they determined Jesus was divine and they determined the trinity and that, that was 300 years after yeah his life and death right and, right uh, under constantine and, and, yeah, yeah. the early church was very much about small church meetings very much run by women um and then it was taken over by a patriarchy right. um, within the structure of, of the church and so um so yes, and we, you know, once uh, the Protestant Reformation happened, and a lot because of the printing press, so people could then make their own determination, and of course right. that's why we have so many denominations within Christianity, because uh, they all made different determinations about what the Bible meant. 
Well, even within the the four Gospels, if you look at the way that um, the order in which the Gospels were written, and I correct me if I'm wrong, and I maybe I can't remember whether it's Matthew or Mark was written first, and then Luke and the other one, either Luke and Mark or Luke and Matthew, were written kind of concurrently around 90 A.D. or so, between 80 and 100, and then John was written around 120 A.D. Um, and you look at the evolution of the Gospels, and Jesus starts off as um, more of a human figure, and by the time you get to John, John has him as more of a divine figure. Just the evolution of that from the time the Gospels are written between 70 and 120 AD, um, the evolution of that particular story, none of which were written by the actual people that were there at the time. It's all anecdotal that was you know passed down and rewritten. But nevertheless, it's kind of fascinating to see the evolution of Jesus and his story being told through the, the veil of the actual, you know, the Gospels. That's correct. I mean, right. John clearly was written later and a Christology had already been formed. Right. Uh, it is very interesting. I'd like to point out in the oldest version, again, part of this is only what we have, right? The oldest version of any copy of, of a book um, was is Mark. Yeah, and in the oldest Mark. versions, okay. uh, Jesus is not resurrected. In right. the book of Mark, yep. in its oldest version. And there was, there was no virgin birth, was there? There wasn't a virgin birth until what? Luke, I think, was the first one to include virgin birth. Right. Well, you know, they they did translate um, the word differently. I mean, in the uh, Jewish by in the Jewish scriptures, the word is young woman, mm-hmm. which is, in the Greek tra- they translated it to virgin. Yeah. Um, so, and again, so yeah, we, we go into a whole long story about biblical criticism, <laughs> um, but but yeah, there's a, a lot throughout uh, throughout the Christian scriptures um, where they molded this story right mm-hmm. and to fit right what the Jewish messianic hope was, um, but change it to fit their. Um, version. They're much called, you know, supersessionist, right? Like it sort of eliminates um, the Jewish version with their version. Um, so, and so, of course, led to conflicts for the last 2,000 years with right. often Christians trying to kill Jews. Well, weren't were there, aside, outside of the Gospels, aren't there more written, um, there, there are, there's more written evidence of um, and more stories uh, again outside the four gospels about Jesus's brother James the just than there are of Jesus. Well, you know, I don't know that there are any contemporaneous ones um, that we have, but there are many, many other uh, what we would call gospels mm-hmm. um, that were not included right, in right. both either the Hebrew or the Christian scriptures. Yeah. Um, and, and so, again, the powers that be at that time determined what books would be in and what books would be out. Right. And so, um, I... I Thing to read those you mentioned the Gnostics uh, before. Yeah, uh, fascinating. Um, it was a book of Enoch that comes yep. out of yep. the Jewish tradition, and that I love the book of Enoch. That is a fascinating right. it's a book. Fascinating it really story. is. 
And that's got some that's got some trippy stuff in it. If you've never read the Book of Enoch, it is that's the one with all the that the angel wars and alleged aliens and all this other stuff with all these creatures and the, the you know the Nephilim and uh, there's a lot of it, really interesting stuff in the Book of Enoch because you have all these these wars between angels that are you know um, that it, it's really fascinating when you look at it. Right, I think there's one mention of it in one of the, the mm-hmm. Christian uh, letters or gospels about that, but that's it. Right, but but it's this whole long book that really is, is just fascinating. Yeah, it is. Uh, now, is any of it true? Who knows? I, I mean, know. you know, it, it's all, or a lot of it's oral history. Right. A lot of it's memory. You have conflicting things among the different gospels. Uh, but people... There's still a lot in there that that we can make meaning of. Like I, I read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, or mm-hmm. um, uh, or or the Book of Luke. Um, you know the same thing, and 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 so there's a lot there that we can still draw from that make meaning. But how does it make meaning for us? today mm-hmm. in this time you know not what it meant 2000 years ago right but what can it mean to us today well someone has changed of course in 2000 right. years so um to keep strictly doing and, and and interpreting based on what it was 2000 years ago i don't for me and and i would say for my congregation is not helpful um, we want to see how it can be helpful and meaningful to us in in this life, and not and not just those scriptures, but other scriptures. There's some great, uh, you know, the Tao Te Ching has some great yeah, ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I could go through a list of of, of world uh, religions that um, you know, for me, Buddhism personally has been. Uh, very meaningful. I've received the five mindfulness trainings, and um, and so for me, Buddhism is a, a non-theistic religion, for at least in the West, right. and um, and it is about how to live your life ethically, how to reduce suffering in your life, and so that that tied very much into my Jewish upbringing as well mm-hmm. and so um and that infuses my my ministry um as well is um sharing that how to as a moment how to live ethically how to reduce suffering which bringing us full circle right right how do we reduce suffering here around COVID 19 um and part of it is what can we do to re- reduce people's anxiety to be home alone, locked in all the time, right? It's hard. Um, but you can go out for a walk. Nothing prevents you from doing that, um, unless you can't walk. I'm, you know, thinking of people who are sure, different. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but you know, how how can we reduce anxiety? How can we reduce the suffering that would be caused by somebody getting the disease? And and so we should do what we can. To reduce suffering, you know, do no harm. Right? If you if you boil down religion over, right, it's like do no harm, <laughs> and um, and so that is that is what I am proposing and what I proposed in my uh, Facebook post. Well, I think that's that's 
a great way to sum it up is do no harm and i think that that's a great uh, that great place for us to, to end here i think anything else you'd like to add jay that uh, we haven't touched upon that you think is important um, that you'd like to say to people no uh, other than if, if you're curious go to our website uucqc.org um and every sunday morning at 10 o'clock we have a zoom online service you're interested in, or you can email me if anybody is interested in finding out more about Unitarian Universalism. Awesome. Jay, I'd love to have you as a guest on the show again. We could discuss some more theology stuff. I always find that fascinating. I love it. That's why I became a minister, I think. Yeah, well, and, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the show, too, is because this is obviously an issue that that has been at the front of everybody's mind. It, it, a lot of people of faith have been talking about this, and give it, I did want to necessarily show bias towards you know uh, i know there's obviously a, a, a competition so to speak between some of the bigger religious groups and and i think unitarian universalists uh as you mentioned encompass everyone and they're welcoming to everyone and so i wanted to have a, a unitarian universalists because you sort of step outside of the fray and are are open to every every denomination so thank you so yeah, much we tend to be counterculture yeah. yeah right <laughs> right so. well thank you for having me on i really appreciate it and i uh, look forward to talking again sometime awesome thanks so much jay wolin um the uh settled minister at the universe unitarian universalist congregation of the quad cities is our guest today so um excellent conversation i'm very happy to have had jay on the show and i hope you've enjoyed listening to the show as well uh, once again qc uncut the only spot in the quad cities for uncut unedited uncensored conversation with local newsmakers i'm your host sean leary thank you so much for listening and stay safe and i hope you have a great day